Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the 40th edition of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name's Gus Logue. I'm joined by my co-host, John Shipley. John, it's the doom days of summer. How are we doing? Ah, it, it was a dog's day of summer, but my, my cat's officially you know, scurrying across my keyboard and attempting to disrupt every, every you know, attempt that we make at actually recording a show this week. Mm-hmm. has been eventful. So it's, it's the cat day of summer. I mean... May counts as summer to me. Like we're like anything post draft before week one summer to me. Um, I no longer live on like your time, Gus. I live on, I live on the NFL. The NFL. Oh, you usually live on my time. Yeah. I, I, no, <laughs> shut up. I, I'm notoriously wasteful of your time. I no longer live on your the the time of your life. I, I live on the mm. NFL time. I'm no longer. Mm. Oh, well, that's fair on the NFL schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So well, anything post draft is summer to me, and anything post like Super Bowl to draft is spring, and then the season <laughs> until Thanksgiving is fall. Yeah, we'll call it that. And then, just the se- the season opener until like whenever you start to get like really tired of the season is yeah, fall, and then once yeah. you're tired and, of the and, season, and, and, and then, over, that's winter. Exactly, because at that point, like I feel like winter. You know, like, I just I feel dark and cold. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so there you go. I'm, I'm glad I. Let you walk around my brain a little bit. <laughs> Wipe your shoes off on the mat. Always a pleasure. I would say yeah. I'm going to go against the grain, though, since we always agree on this podcast. May or summer doesn't start till the end of May in my book because April showers bring May flowers seems pretty springy. Uh, I, I don't know. I, June seems like a strong summer month, right? Well, May, I don't, June, July. Well, I don't know what that phrase means, but I will contest that we, uh, that we agree on everything. I, I, I think your your Ravens take was ludicrous. It obviously my stance against it 
looks far worse now than it did then. But nonetheless, we are we're in the days of summer, man. The days yeah. of post draft work. Like people officially don't care about the 2023 draft anymore, right? Mm. Would you say that? Yeah, I was just trying to remember if I had any last post to publish about it, and I don't. I, so therefore, I agree with you. I'll be honest, like just like for listeners, you know, people who, you know, read the site. I would love to do like film articles, but the NFL has crashed like so hard down the NCAA on posting film and like not just posting them on social media, but posting them as stories that, you know, if I have to choose between giving you guys a film store in Parker, Washington and being employed, <laughs> I'm going with the latter. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you got big things cooking over at Big Cat Country. That's right. I've been a little busy because we have opened up for applicants uh if you're interested in being a contributor on big cat country then you can find a way to apply on the website uh we're looking for a couple of people to help contribute like two or three weekly articles because right now the stuff is me doing a lot of the heavy lifting writing wise plus alfie doing his like editor emeritus thing or whatever it's called Plus, uh, we got a someone named Caitlin who's been doing an awesome job on our social team. But yeah, right now I feel like I'm doing like ninety percent of the words, so I need some help. So help me out. Yeah, no, I mean you're you're classing to join up if you're actually taking applicants. It used to just be you could grab random people on online and not vet them at all. So look look at you. There you go. Well, I've been pretty encouraged because there's been like at least twenty, I would say, including uh, me. <laughs> not including you, John. Now, I, I reached out to the area scout about you, and he had some concerns about off-the-field issues. So You can't listen to anonymous scouts. They... <laughs> this guy was pounding the table, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was. I'm, I, I have a fairly good idea of who, who it would be, too. So, no, I, well, I mean, I recommend anybody to, you know, apply to work with Gus. Worked with Gus at, you know, the writing portion of Jaguar Port for some time. Does seller work, but... This is a cutthroat business, Gus, and I'm coming. I'm coming for you. I'm. I'm. I'm <laughs> I, I could not care less about competition among Jaguars websites. So, Mm-mm. speaking of, we uh, we had some news today. We did have some news today. The big event of the spring slash summer, whatever you want to call it, besides the NFL draft, is the schedule release, which the, the full schedule release will happen on Thursday, May 11th. There's like a huge three-hour televised event. Um, But the NFL did release the five international games for the 2023 season on Wednesday morning. Two of those five games feature your Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are going to be the first NFL team to play two London games in the same season. Like, I have a lot of thoughts, but first, I'd like to say overall on the NFL's uh, schedule announcements. Putting the Tyreek returns to the Kansas City game in Germany is stupid to me. And also the Chiefs playing the Bengals in like week 17 or whatever they announced. I that sounds terrible. Like like that, that should be the season opener. Yeah, it should be. That does sound terrible. Yeah. No. Nah, I they, I was just gonna say I didn't even look at the other games, honestly. Hey, yeah, that's that's the so kind this of is all news to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I listen to our own podcast. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's new to me. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. 
the two games that I do know that are going to happen abroad are in week four, the Jags will play the Falcons. Um, that's October 1st. And then they're going to stay there and play the Bills on October 8th. And that'll be week five. And then you would assume that their bye week will be in week six. So we've got a little bit of the pieces to the full schedule put together for the puzzle. <laughs> Great analogy, but. Those those, yeah. lessons, those calendar reading lessons have paid off for you. I, I mm-hmm. want to say they've 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 paid off swimmingly. No, I, <laughs> you know I paid a good price. <laughs> I recommended them to you. No, the <laughs> the like actual on field product. Like I don't think they could have like drawn better opponents for like the two London games because with Atlanta you're playing them week four, so it's early in the season. I like see Atlanta is like kind of similar to Jacksonville last year. If like the quarterback had like a, like a <laughs> Like any of, <laughs> any of the talent of, but I mean, you know, they, they, they're a, a young roster, a young quarterback. Lawrence obviously is much better than Desmond Ritter and had more experience entering last year, but Ritter will be in his eighth start entering week four. And then they have a new defense coordinator, a first time coordinator and a lot of new faces on defense. It, yep. it normally takes, and like, I think a defense longer than an offense to get used to like playing with new people just because so much of it is like communication and reactive. Right. So I I think like the Falcons, like you'd much rather play them in the beginning of the season than the end of the season. You know, and now plus you're getting them, you know, in London. So I, I think that's a solid draw for them. I, I'll be honest, like if you're gonna lose a home game, like I've seen Atlanta versus the Jaguars in Jacksonville like a million times. Like that's a, an extremely like, you know, bleh like game, like home game. Like if you're gonna lose one, that's the one, you know, you're probably okay with parting with. And and to me, yeah. Any year that they're not losing a home divisional game is kind of a good thing at this point because I mean, they've played like several like AFC South games in London and those are home games and it's basically like, kind of like shooting yourself in the foot in terms of the divisional race. So any year they don't do that anymore is a is a good thing. Absolutely. And then for the Bills, you kind of mentioned the Falcons will be the home game and the Bills will technically be a road game for the Jaguars. And I mean. It's better for it's a better advantage for the Jaguars to be playing in London and kind of already be over there from playing the Falcons the week before, as opposed to just going up to Buffalo for an away game at the Bills Stadium. Yeah, and, and like Buffalo is going to have to, you know, go to London get acclimated. Like I talked to a veteran Jags player who's made several London trips today, and he said like it's the hardest trip they make every year. Like, in, in my opinion, people really underestimate like how taxing the trip that is like you're going you know to and from you know the atlantic sea and you're playing a grueling game and you know your entire routine's being thrown off stuff like that so i think there could be a tactical advantage over buffalo like like buffalo should probably not be too happy that they're drawing you know the jaguars yeah it's definitely a tough draw for buffalo but i mean i think at the end of the day it's like i think people are probably a little bit upset about the fact that the jags are playing two games in London and they've played the most games in London out of any other franchise. It's going to be their 10th and 11th games over there. But like, there's also renovations happening. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, like you can see, like to me, the Jaguars have done a terrific job over the last couple of years of like, yeah, even though they've had to play in London every year, except the COVID year that they've like basically like all Jaguars relocation rumors and articles from like 2012, 2013, like, They've gone away, you know, the last couple of years, like pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But every time, like them getting any more of connection to London happens, you're going to see those stories. Like Mike Florio had one today. So to me, like, I, 
I'm, I'm not going to fault them for accepting a second game in the long run. You know, they're, they're not losing a home game. Uh, it's something that might not even be a multi-year thing. Maybe it's just a one-off and they see how it goes. But like, I, I understand why people would react negatively to it. But I'd also, you know, like you said, they're trying to get a $600 million, you know, renovation. That's supposed to be like a state-of-the-art stadium built you know the practice facility will be ready i believe uh in july i mean they got a lot invested in jacksonville just nothing they do makes sense to me as a team that would actually relocate you know to london like you know mike floyo theorized or like you know you ultimately when you know the jaguars pick up an extra game in london i get it's unprecedented you know first time a team's ever done it people are now going to talk about them in london which again i completely get why jacksonville fans hate it but I don't think this game actually means anything for them in London. I, no. I really don't think it means anything. I'm excited for the rest of the schedule to come out, so then we just can just yeah. not really focus on London anymore. Who, who's your week one guest so I can potentially get it right over you and hold it over you for the rest of the season? Hmm. Hosting the Colts. <laughs> you think they're yeah. going to host the Colts? Yeah. I was going to say Bengals. I was trying to think of like one of the more exciting teams that they have on the schedule. And like Chiefs was first thought, but they're probably going to play the Eagles right in a Super Bowl rematch. Isn't that how it usually works week one? Um, and like, I've, well, Jags and Chiefs is, Chiefs will probably play like um, someone more popular than the Jags week one. But I feel like Bengals, Jags could be a pretty fun week one matchup just because it's, Burrow and Lawrence, back-to-back number one overall picks, young we, franchise quarterbacks. We went in very opposite directions on that one. <laughs> we, we Good. I, I, I was worried we, after last week that we were starting to agree on too much since we gave like pretty much every single player the same grade for the draft. Like I, what if I said week one versus the Titans? Would you, would you have had that visual reaction? Yeah, I would have had that over like – if you had said like any division – opponent then i would have had the same reaction because i was on the opposite wavelength i was thinking of like their most exciting matchups what what's your guess on primetime games um how many my guess is two and one will be a thursday night division game yeah that's that's my guess one will hopefully be like chiefs jaguars i don't know i feel like chiefs jaguars would be pretty cool i want that to be like a good scheduled game I, I feel like anybody like hoping they get like five or six is like themselves up to be heartbroken. How many teams even get five or six a year? Like I feel like the Bears had like five last year. But these yeah, are teams but, in big markets. That's not the Bears, that's Chicago, yeah. Yeah. So so I would be pretty I'm expecting two and I'd be happy with three. I think that's my stance. Yeah. Because when was the last time they had three? Did they even have three in twenty eighteen after they went to the AFC championship? No, if I recall that like they had two scheduled, and they only played one because they got flexed out of something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because they stuck. All right, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe too. Hey, uh, I mean, the schedule's always you know big event with the NFL. So, like, you already know the opponent, so it's a fair question. Like, okay, why does the order really matter? But to me, like, the order, like when the bye week comes, how many away games you have, like, it's a, it's all you know a part of the picture. So you can expect I'll be doing something this week on my. Uh, you know, ultimate reactions to it by game by game predictions. I think last year I was doing pretty solid in my predictions and then they started winning every game towards the end of the season. And I, I think I predicted like six and 10 or whatever. So no, yeah. six and, seven and 10, six and 11, something like that. 
Seven ten, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, you got anything else? <laughs> Should we move on to rookie <laughs> mini camp this weekend? Woo! More exciting news in the rookie NFL. Mini camp, baby. The, rookie the, mini camp. Again, the most exciting thing I saw at last year's rookie mini camp was Trayvon Walker lined up in a two point stance. That, mm. Just because, like, it showed like how much of like of a like freaking person that he is. Like his arms are insanely, you know, long and. I, I, I don't know, like, this, like, in terms of this rookie minicamp, like, there'll be a few things, you know, I'm looking for, obviously, how Brendan Strange, like, how he just looks, you know, athletically, you know, especially, you know, up in person, uh, size-wise, compared to some of the other players on the field. Uh, Tank Bigsby, what he can look like, you know, athletically, what he can look like catching the ball. And then, I, I, I do think a couple undrafted guys are interesting. I think Caleb Hayes out of BYU, he, he tested, like, insanely. Like, he, he was one of the best testers, like, at cornerback in this draft class. Ended up, you know, going undrafted. He's a smaller guy. I think he can be interesting. And then Elijah Cooks at a wide receiver from San Jose State. He's 6'4", 215. Uh, he played at Nevada for a couple of years, then transferred to San Jose State. Had 10 touchdowns last year after 18 touchdowns at Nevada over a couple of years. I mean, they, they don't have a lot of size in the wide receiver. Like, they're, they're a very short wide receiver room. Right? Yeah. I, I was stunned that you said Elijah Cooks is 6'4". I think I was just assuming that he was tiny because I was thinking of, like, a mix between Elijah Moore and Brandon Cooks maybe. It, I was like, oh, Elijah Cooks, that's got to be, like, this tiny slot receiver. Hey, I, I wouldn't blame you either because, I mean, I, I, other than, like, some of the practice squad guys they have, like, yeah, they have a few practice squad guys who are, you know, fair, fairly tall, but they don't really have anybody that, uh, you know, stands out as a big target. And of course, you know, maybe Brendan Strange can be that kind of guy, but, like, Jamal Agnew's 5'10". Uh, Zay Jones, he's 6'2", but I, I don't know. You, you see Zay Jones, like, he's not, like, a big receiver, you know. Uh, Tim yeah. Jones is 6'1". Christian Kirk's 5'11". Calvin Ridley's 6'1". Parker Washington's 5'10". Like, I would imagine that's, like, one of the shorter wide receiver rooms in the NFL. So. Yeah, and they're all not, like – terribly skinny but they're definitely don't have like bulk on their frames either no so and maybe like if there's any like type of receiver who could maybe make some noise and like maybe fight for a way on there it's like that big body receiver so right he he, he is the guy i'm watching uh, you know like in terms of like undrafted guys he's the guy that i'm i'm watching over th- this you know next week or so Gotcha. I would say uh, Hayes for sure would it be like the most interesting guy for me in terms of just a list of the undrafted free agents. And then the Cincinnati tight end, I was going to say Garrett Prince, but that's not his name. <laughs> that's their UDFA tight end hey, from last year. Yeah. Hey, he's a tight end, what, tight end four right now? Yeah, tight end four. Tight end you're, three before the draft. You're thinking of Leonard Taylor. Leonard Taylor, that's right. Yeah, they've I, had a lot of East-West Shrine guys. Uh, I th- I just saw his name pop up in like some national media's yeah. ranking of like uh UDFA guys to like look out for for each team. Yeah, but I think H- Hayes is like easily the most exciting. Yeah, no, I think Taylor makes a lot. Like he's six five, two sixty. Uh, he's like a you know former like old like world like high school basketball player. He had offers from like bigger schools, at other positions. Uh, I mean. You know, like when you're returning to like a roster with as many guys as last year, like I think I saw some graph out there. I'm I'm not sure if we actually put together the data 
that, that like the Jaguars like are returning like the biggest percentage of like players from last year, like on their current roster. Oh yeah. Like Is I that the I, one that Clay Harbor posted. Yeah, and I'm not sure who actually made it. So I can't yeah. <laughs> reference it, but it like that like kind of goes to show like this will be a tough roster. Like and with 13 drafted players, like this will be a tough roster to make for an undrafted group. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. So the rookie camp is going to be this weekend on Saturday, Friday and Sunday, the 12th and 13th. And then after that, there's going to be a voluntary organized team activities beginning on May 22nd. Yeah. So voluntary. That's what the Jaguars website says. In, uh, it. In, in TC's world, it's it's not voluntary. In TC's world. I, okay. I'll never forget being that was when I worked in Palatka and I was like at my desk scrolling through Twitter and I saw his comment about like I think it was Tubman Smith and Jalen Ramsey not showing up to volunteer work. <laughs> I was like, oh dear. <laughs> the union will not appreciate that one. <laughs> no. No, no, no. All right. You got anything else to add before we go to uh, the 53? Nah, man. Let's, let's hit the 53 because this is honestly like I I felt like a, with how many players they have returning, like a cool exercise. And like I didn't go into it thinking, okay, I want to keep this many draft picks. I just kept which rookies I felt made sense. And yeah. I was surprised that I was able to fit as many draft picks as I could on there. So right now we're going to do one of my favorite segments on this show, which is pull up one of John's published articles and just read through it and talk about it. So John posted a post-draft depth chart predictions. That was a mouthful. Uh, On May 1st. (laughs) I hate that headline now. Let's go. Keep keep reading this, Phils. Come on, come on. All right. Well, offense. Let's go. Quarterback. I think it's interesting that you kept two quarterbacks, just because. I mean, not that there's like a ton of talk about it, but Peterson is a huge like quarterback room guy, and so C.J. Bethard is a pretty good number two backup quarterback. Um, I guess I didn't draft anyone, so the XFL kid probably would have been the only other guy to make the roster. They didn't even sign one. They, they signed uh, EJ Perry and last, like, like in terms of undrafted guys, like they, they didn't add anybody. So, yeah, like somebody asked me, like, are you accounting for like the change in the quarterback rule? And the, the answer is until it's officially changed, it doesn't exist to me. So, <laughs> get, get back to me when it's an actual thing, and I'll I'll, I'll apply. But I, I think you're right. Like work is. They're number three. Bethard's – like, he'll be on the practice squad. Bethard's number two. He's Trevor's guy. And then, you know, just the entire hope of a football franchise and hundreds of families in a city on Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback. <laughs> hundreds of families are just our families. They're, no, I would say that – like, the thing that like, – it's been explained to me that, like, 
like the amount of pressure that goes of playing like quarterback, especially being like a franchise quarterback in the NFL, is every person in that building, like their families rely on you, dude. Like, oh yeah. If you if you, if you suck, everybody gets fired. Like if people get uprooted from their homes because playing Gafford sucks, you know, like kids got taken out of schools, people people lost their jobs, etc. <laughs> No, I'm being serious. You're so right. Just the way you put it of like Blaine Gabbert ended childhood friendships. That's true. That he did. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. I thought you meant like fans' families. I was like, oh, no, no, I mean, no. For okay. like happiness. Yeah, but no, no, no. Those, those aren't a thing. No. All right. Running back. You got four. <laughs> oh, There's how what 22 play. positions we gotta get through this john yes. <laughs> i'm not trying to go all night or all, all day i'm not trying to make it through the what you think is summer let's go um we got travis Etienne, jamichael hasty rookie tank bigsby and free agent signing d ernest johnson which Thanks. leaves out 2022 draft pick snoop connor who they traded up for who they traded up for hey i I just like think like it's obviously a lot can change during training camp. Maybe Snoop Connor looks like a revelation, you know, during training camp. He had some solid flashes during last year's camp, but also like it just seems obvious that okay, Travis, you're the starter. Hasty, you're Travis's backup. Tank, you're the you know power guy, basically change of pace type. Travis and Dearness Johnson, you're playing special teams, and you'll be there in case anybody gets hurt. Like like to me, it's like one of the most like obviously like place for him that Snoop is just you know on the outside looking in maybe they keep five running backs but I'll think in, in this day and age like what's really the point like, like him just having zero special team snaps last year I think is gonna hurt him yeah and I mean he'll probably end up on the practice squad but I agree he's as of now he's on the outside looking in so wide ri- or no tight ends next Evan Engram rookie Brenton Strange and is Luke Farrell is he a third year or fourth year he's third third year so no garrett prince no cincinnati tight end yep i mean they just like with the way that they can use strange like he can basically like i think if you keep a fourth tight end he's just like a special teams guy yeah i like like strange will be used as a blocker and receiver Farrell will be a blocker ingram be a receiver you know maybe they do keep prince but I just, I just feel like like with the way the roster shakes out right now, I don't even like if you have other guys who can play special teams. I don't see what the value of a fourth tight end really gives them when those three guys are probably going to have like super defined roles. Right. Yeah. I'm. I guess kind of same as Snoop. Where, uh, man, what's the Cincinnati's tight end? What's his name? Leonard Taylor. Leonard Taylor. Taylor yeah. and Prince. Likes like Snoop just on the outside looking in with special teams not really helping. That that is the one position I could say like I I could obviously sit up being wrong and then taking four tight ends, which you know okay Garrett or Leonard Taylor. I don't know that that'd be an interesting training camp battle to watch. Do you remember if they had four tight ends on their original fifty three last year? Yeah, they did. They had a uh, Ingram, Manhurts, Arnold, and Farrell. Oh. Because I was gonna say, like, was Prince the last one? But I forgot. I forgot about Dan Arnold. Doug's also gone years where he only had three tight ends on the roster too, like with the Eagles. So it wouldn't be like some like, oh my god, what is he doing type thing, you right. know? Okay. Offensive line: Walker Little, Luke Fortner, Brandon Scherf, Anton Harrison, Tyler Shatley, Ben Barch, 
and then Josh Wells, Blake Hance, Chandler Brewer, Cooper Hodges. Now Cam Robinson will be no on Cam there. Robinson. He'll be on there once he's not suspended, but he won't count toward the first. Uh, okay. I was season. I was waiting for a hot take to emerge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just insert him for like Cooper Hodges or okay. Chandler Brewer. And like to me, like the most interesting thing about the line is who's gonna start week one at left guard. You know, Shatley. He was solid for them last year. Doug Peterson, you know, I, I feel like they really like Shatley. Uh, Barch is somebody who they're also high on. But, I mean, Chen Balky said before the draft that he's not sure he'll be ready for a start training camp after, you know, his knee injury last year. So, that to me is an interesting position group to watch. But otherwise, I mean, week one, you're going to have Walk Little at left tackle, Anton Harrison at right tackle, and Sheriff Report in their spots. Like, you have 80% of the week one line, like, already set. So, yeah, maybe, like, if, if you get – you know, your rocks off, like talking about depth offensive linemen, you can debate, you know, Chandler Brewer, Cole Van Lannan, Blake Hance, all that. I personally feel like Van Lannan, even though they traded for him, like he was bypassed, like, as a backup guard last year. Like when Sheriff went down against the Jets, they didn't put Van Lannan in. And he struggled in, like, the few real snaps he played. So somebody asked me about him, and he just, like, th- to me, like, I- I'm projecting that they'll have more impressive options during training camp. But. Again, this is talking about backup offensive line. Right. So you think 10 is a pretty solid number? Yeah. 9 to 10. You Okay, 9 to 10. I don't know if you're like considering going one no, not, and, like It's important to remember you don't have 53 guys active on game day. You know, like you're going to have some – some of these guys on the 53 mans are going to be inactive on game day. So I'd imagine, you know, some of those are going to be offensive line. Then. Right. I'm excited to see Ben Barch in another year starting. I've, he only played – I feel like six games before he uh, got placed on injured reserve. And I remember the first game last season against the commanders being pretty brutal just because, I mean, it was, week, it was week one and like that defensive line is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but like after that, he was playing pretty cleanly. So I'd, I'd be looking forward to seeing him return to the lineup. And it, it, it's a contract year for him too. You know, like it's, it's an important year. So they, they definitely seem like, like they really like his skill set. It's just like you said, it's a, you know, getting healthy and staying on the field. So I'm, I'm with you. Like, out of all of their offensive linemen, him and Anton Harrison, obviously, are the two I'm most interested to see, like, when the season goes around. All right. Okay. Now we're again to wide receiver. You got Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Jamal Agnew, Tim Jones, and Parker Washington, which is six. And I would imagine Parker Washington would probably – him or Tim Jones would be, like, inactive most games like they normally carried five receivers on game day we already know who four of those guys are going to be yeah it's like they're three starters and jamal agnes a lock to make the roster so it's really the questions behind them to me it's like tim jones kendrick Pryor, and parker washington right now are the three guys before training camp who are i, I think jockeying for that five and six role like those last two spots to make the roster yeah. Again, you could see somebody different. Like, you know, maybe Kevin Austin had like dramatically, you know, improved this offseason. Maybe somebody like, you know, Elijah Cooks challenges, you know, uh, Kendrick Pryor or something like that. But my guess is Tim Jones, sixth round as the fifth or sixth receiver. They really like Tim Jones. And I think I even put it in that, like, if you want to roll with three tight ends, it makes sense to keep Tim Jones on the roster because he's like, he's like a, a throwback, like, blocker. As, yeah, you know, he's like easily the best blocking receiver that they have. Yeah, like you could even play him as like a split end and like be like kind of like almost like a de facto, you know, like split out tight end in terms of blocking. Right. 
I think he also played like a lot more snaps last year than me or like most people would realize, which is partly because he was just blocking. And not, yeah, but so yeah, they like him. So I I really got no surprises here. I agree. That's oh yeah, you're right. I would not have guessed he played that many snaps. How many was it? Yes, give me give me what you think it is. I would have guessed before looking at it that it was like eighty. It's not. I was gonna guess one twenty. You're gonna guess one twenty. Yeah, one thirty five. Yeah, it's get him out. So it only ended up being like thirteen percent, but that oh no, one forty five. I'm terrible. It's still thirteen percent. So all right. right. So it's basically like I think Parker Washington will win a spot over Kendrick Pryor, who was mostly inactive for them last year. Washington will have to like prove like he can be like a special team type guy, but I think it makes sense. You know, like it, especially they got lucky at wide receiver last year where they didn't have a lot of injuries. Like I think Zay missed a couple games, but other than that, they really didn't have injuries. You can't expect that to happen again this year. So say anything ever happens, you know, the Kirk or Zay or anything like that. I think Washington, like he's a playable, you know, receiver at some of those different spots, especially behind Kirk. Are there any injury concerns with him? Cause I feel like I saw that part of the reason he fell in the draft was just cause he like skipped a pro day or something because of medicals. But I, yeah. I figure he'll be like ready by the, by training camp in the season, but I was just checking. Yeah, no, he, he had a uh, ankle injury at the end of last season. I think it was in like November and he like missed the end of the season, et cetera. And he was still recovering from that. But to my knowledge, he's like been completely cleared. Okay, sweet. All right. Well, that's the offense. We did, we did pretty good. I didn't think that was going to. You, you have any, any major points of contention or are we, uh, are we a happily married couple? Uh, we're a happily married couple. Honestly, like the only thing that was slightly surprising to me was like two quarterbacks instead of three, but that's not even actually surprising. It's just like, yeah. So no, no surprises. And again, maybe the NFL changes that the like actually enacts the rule and they can, you know, have three quarterbacks on game day. So it's not like the 49ers in the playoffs last year, but until then I'm not abiding by it. Again, I, I, I don't live on your calendar, guys. Like, <laughs> in your reality. I'm, I'm in a different. Oh, you're setting your own illusion. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I'm very illusion. I'm very disillusion. <laughs> All right, well, let's go with defense. Starting with Edge, Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, Caleb on Chason, and rookie Yasir Abdullah. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that Jordan Smith isn't on there, just because, and less about Jordan Smith and more about just the lack of edge depth. Yeah, like, I mean. I feel like like they'll counter it with the fact that they have a couple of big guys that they think can play like edge on base downs. And I don't know. I, I maybe, you know, if they add a veteran, you can throw in there as like a fifth guy. Right. Maybe, you know, you keep Jordan Smith. It's just that, that like, it seems like one position, like they're, they're all chips pushed in on Trayvon and Josh Walker, like Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen. Like it doesn't, like like last year, you know, they didn't carry many edge guys because they had Arden Key and DeWan Smith who were, you know, kind of de facto edge guys. So maybe they signed a veteran who kind of makes it like that. Maybe they see Ty like they already mentioned they think Ty Lacey could be like a big end on base down. So Yeah. Just getting visions of Dwayne Smoot again. <laughs> I, 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 when I watched him, I did that's literally like what you know, I, I think if he can develop into like a smooth like player, that's that's a big hit in the fourth. Yeah, I agree. It's just it was a little bit. Oh no, it's like very... seeing Smoot play on the edge sometimes, and like just not be able to like track down a 
run on the other side of the formation oh, you or bet. even like a, it's it's absolutely it's absolutely what i think of that because <laughs> i think like the same thing that you said about receivers how they're like lucky about injuries last year yeah. and can't really rely on that again like that 100 percent applies to edge because if trayvon walker or josh allen goes down even for just one game like both your starter starter starters and depth at the position are looking pretty rough almost feels like they could have drafted a edge rusher almost a little, a little higher well we're gonna get to some free agents that they could add to the position uh later on once we get through it but moving on to defensive line we got five guys roy robertson harris foley fatukazi devon hamilton rookie tyler lacy and adam gotsis so no michael dogby or dogby or dog bay or henry mondo <laughs> neither neither no. neither one Right, or seventh round pick. The or those two guys were free agent additions, but like very small ones. And yeah. then Raymond Vohasek was picked in the seventh round. And like, so, like yeah, like maybe you know one of those guys could fight for a sixth spot, but they didn't carry many big guys last year. You know, and I, I it really feels like they're not going to like again. You know, this year they last year they their initial fifty three had what four interior linemen on it. Was Corey Peters a part of that, or was he added late? They picked him up during the season. So I kind of feel like that would be the move here, is if one of these five guys goes down, then they can – because I kind of think interior defensive line is looking one of the deeper positions in the league. So I feel like they could do something similar as a Corey Peters pickup and just yeah find someone. Yeah, absolutely. Like they, it, it just seems like, like they have very defined roles, again, for guys, because you're returning a bunch of guys – I think you see Devon Hamilton and even an expanded role this year. You know, they just paid him. You know, maybe he could have an, like an emergence as a pass rusher, like some of these other nose tackles have had in the last couple of years. I mean, Hamilton isn't like super consistent as a pass rusher, but he does show some nice flashes. I think the traits are there. Yeah. So I, I would be, I think that's like fair hey, to hope for or expect. It's not like he's like, do you remember Mount Cody, the Alabama defensive tackle? Nope. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he okay, the four hundred pound nose tackle the, the Gators have. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like he, he's just a complete blob of, of a player. Like Hamilton's like not that kind of nose tackle, you know, like, like he's actually like athletic. For sure. But man, he can stuff the run too. I feel like he's easily the best run defender on the entire defense. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. He's a tank. We like we like ham on this pod. Big ham fans. Big ham fans. <laughs> Inside linebacker, we've got five guys again. Foye Aluakon, Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, Shaquille Quarterman, and rookie Ventrell Miller. Not really it's, any surprises there. Same linebacker room as last year. Just swap out Caleb Johnson for Ventrell Miller. I'm, I'm actually surprised because I thought Caleb Johnson was really good on special teams last year, but mm-hmm. they obviously see something in Ventrell. And, you know, maybe Caleb Johnson, you know, makes it over a guy like Shaq Quarterman. But I just think without, like, experience, Quarterman is, like, in their system and overall, like you would imagine he's somebody that you won't want to keep around like as depth and special teams and stuff. But I don't know the, 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 like I'm, I'm doing an article on the rookies most likely to make an instant impact next year. And I'm not going to give anything away, but Ventrella is not particularly high on the list. No, I was wondering, do you think this is a decent take or just too much galaxy brain or Ventrell was picked more so for, the starters at the position than the depth of the position, just in the like sense that 
he's a smart guy and could be like a off the field coach for the young guys, Lloyd and Numa, or is that just ridiculous? Aren't him and Lloyd the same age? <laughs> of Miller's, uh, you might be right. I mean, I, I don't know. Honestly, I kind of disagree because he's going to enter like just how locker rooms are. When you enter as a rookie, you basically have to just keep your head down and shut up until you basically like do it. Unless you're like like an all world guy like Sauce Gardner or anything, right? Me personally, if I'm Chad Muma and Ventro Miller tries to teach me, <laughs> I'm probably telling him that you know wait wait a year, you know, like yeah, that's totally fair. Stuff. But I will say, I like where your head's at. Okay, that was my general way of saying Galaxy Brand. <laughs> Cornerback six names: Tyson Campbell, Darius Williams, Trey Herndon. Chris Claybrooks, Christian Braswell, who's a rookie, and then another rookie, Eric Hallett, who's specifically in the corner room and not you, the safety room. You could count him as a safety too, but like they specifically mentioned like nickel, like with him. So like Matt, he's even played outside before. So I, I, I think he could be like in the corner room. A, a lot of people were surprised I had Chris Claybrooks on there because of his, uh, you know, arrest in Nashville, but I mean, he's been at workouts and stuff. It's, it's, like if, if they were going to release him, they would have already. <laughs> you know, like like yeah. it's like obviously unfortunate headlines and incident and whatnot. But I don't think that's going to like factor into him on the fifty-three man roster. And he's good special teams depth. He's a, like they like him in terms of being like outside depth. And when I like look that that that's the one thing that comes to mind is where really is the outside depth? I guess Trey Herndon. You could count him as like if an outside guy goes down, put him on the outside and slot somebody else in. Chris Claybrooks, but then to me, Braswell and Halleck are basically slot guys uh, strictly. But I think they'll make it over Monteric Brown and Gregory Jr. I think Monteric Brown will have a fighting like they like him, so I think mm-hmm. he'll have a fighting chance to make the roster. It's just it's going to be tough, man. I mean, when when you have that many guys vying for that many spots, it's it's going to be it's going to be cutthroat. Do you feel confident that Trey Herndon will start Week One as the nickel, or do you think there's like an outside chance that one of these rookies, nah? Maybe if they had like a stellar training camp, so I'll, I'll, I'll say like I'm ninety five percent thinking Trey Herndon's going to start week one. Okay, and Trey Herndon always—I'll be honest—he always has a good training camp. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to assume it's you know more or less the same. Okay, to almost close out safeties five names: Rayshon Jenkins, Andre Cisco, Andrew Wingard, Antonio Johnson who's a rookie in Daniel Thomas. I like, I guess I was a little bit surprised to see Daniel Thomas, not because I'm, I mean, I'm a fan and I like him a lot, but and like he's solid depth and a good special teams are, but I just figured like if there was going to be one position where you had to like cut out a guy in order to make room for somewhere else on the depth chart, then it would be safety. But you got five. Are, are you that surprised if I tell you that he's like, in, like in this scenario, he's inactive for like every game. No, that's that's like that was like roster spot like so fifty roster spots not counting the specialists that was like roster spot like forty nine or fifty I'll I'll, gotcha. I'll be honest so, I mean they carried five last year with Tyree Gillespie so and he never played so I would just assume Daniel Thomas goes from the fourth guy who plays special teams to number five and doesn't play at all while Antonio Johnson like they they to me have their three their top three safeties lined up Antonio Johnson is not going to be their nickel corner I, like. 
anybody who wants to see Antonio Johnson go out there as a rookie and defend slot receivers consistently in man-to-man coverage, you just you look you're, at yourself in the mirror. Yeah, right. I, I, stop referencing the PFF tweet about him playing in a slot. You know, like just that that offsets so He's like, shut up about the sun. Shut up about the sun. Like, <laughs> that's what I feel about you know, like that. Like, yeah, he did play a lot of snaps in the slot in college, but it was mostly because the scheme they played, you know, the strong safety was in the box a good bit. He, to me, is going to be Rayshon Jenkins' backup. And, you know, this is going to be Rayshon's, you know, 30-year-old season. Maybe, you know, at the end of the season, they look at things and they're confident enough in Antonio Johnson stepping into a potential starter role next year. I think that makes a lot of sense. I kind of feel like Rayshon would have been – they ended up not – did they, like, release anyone early this offseason? Because I think this offseason would have been the time that they could have cut a couple cords loose, like Roy Robertson Harris. Or who just that? It was just Yeah. So um, Jenkins was a guy that I thought like maybe could have played his last year last year, but until he made like five Um, different game winning plays. Yeah, he's not gonna be on the team. But that's just like the rule of like like that's the law of like locker rooms. Like you can't take a guy who made so many game saving plays in the season like that and like go to the locker room with a straight face and be like, no, this guy's released. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you just can't, you know. So he's so I like anybody who thinks Antonio Johnson, like the draft of a starter in the fifth round is gonna come in and put up defensive rookie of the year type numbers. Like I think he's gonna be a special teams guy and Rayshon's backed up. So the immediate returns I don't think will be that exciting, but maybe down the road. Maybe down the road. That's fair. All right, now to finish it off, we've got three specialists. Hunter Logan Cook, kicker Riley Patterson, long snapper Ross Matisic. The fact that I listen to them is as much as I'll. I have no takes on specialists. They they don't don't have to worry about inviting a bunch of kickers to camp this time. Uh, That was going to be my only question. Like, you think Patterson's job is fairly safe? Yeah. Okay. As far as kickers go, he's not Justin Tucker safe, but. He's not uh, who they have last year. That that tank. Matthew Wright. No, the the guy they signed who was like looked like a linebacker, a kicker. Oh, they had so many. They're like Santos, something like something like that. Yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. I forget. He's, his name. Safe, he's safer than he was. Okay, he's That's between right. that and Justin Tucker. On the <laughs> somewhere on the scale. Yeah. Those are the two ends, and he's somewhere there in the middle. Okay. All right, well, we've gotten through the whole your whole 53-man depth chart roster prediction following the draft. So, to me, like, I already talked about it and wrote about it, how I'm shocked about how they didn't take outside corner or edge help until Abdullah, and that was pretty much it. So, to me, if the Jaguars are going to sign anyone in free agency from now to the beginning of the season, then outside cornerback and edge would make the most sense. So I've got a few names. Should I just rattle them off? You want to take turns? Go ahead, rattle them off. Well, how many na- How many names do you have written down? Six. <laughs> That's so disappointed. <laughs> okay, I've one. got nine edge rushers. Just just their names written down. <laughs> okay, let me. Okay, then let me pair some together. Unique and Gogwe, Dwayne Smoot. And Dante Fowler, former Jaguars, maybe could come back. Smoot, I think, makes a lot of sense. Like, 
but you just have to like factor in his injury. So Yannick, I think, would be like like the like shift kiss like signing. I think so. I I think Yannick would make a ton of sense. It's just both yeah. sides have to understand like what the expectations are. Yeah, I mean, I saw that thing about how there's like a little bit of a disagreement with the contract, but I can't really see like any other NFL team giving Ngagwe like starter money. So if he's not going to get starter money from any team, then it comes down to who he wants to get like a rotational salary from. And I feel like there's a decent chance he'll end up being Jacksonville. Yeah, that that, that ship on him like being getting big deals is still. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes players have to accept that, you know, let the market tell them that. Like I think Zeke Elliott's probably a good example of that. You know, he went from being a 12 million, like Tampa Bay's running back coach for some reason was talking about Zeke Elliott and said like Somebody has to tell him, like, you went from being a $12 million running back to now you're a $4 million running back. We basically just have to accept that. And it's yeah. basically a similar thing here. Yeah, Dante Fowler was pretty unserious. I just figured I'd throw him in because I already had two other former Jags. That is one of the prospects I have been the most right about in my life, and I will take that to the grave. Okay, nice. Um, I would say up there with Ngagwe, Leonard Floyd for me would be – he's probably going to be too expensive unless, like, the same thing happens where – no one's willing to pay him starter money, Fair. but I think he's just the best edge guy available. So, and then like the my value pick would be Kyle Van Noy, who was on the Chargers last year and is like just a pretty good locker room guy and super versatile on the defense where he can play off ball if you want. He can play a lot of edge, he can blitz from different places and drop back in coverage. And I feel like he would just be a really good glue piece for the entire defense in the locker room. Can I throw a name at you? Yeah. Marcus Colton. Yep, that was one of the ones I had written down. Yeah. Why did you write him down? He, like, he was with Brinson Buckner in Arizona, and he's like basically every team that needs to sign a pass rusher after the draft says <laughs> they should sign Marcus Colton. It's like, <laughs> it's, like it's, it's like his role in the like as an NFL, like NPC, basically. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he makes sense as like a third edge. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, am I confusing him with someone else, or does he have like freakishly long arms? I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, so I I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, can can I throw another one at you that maybe you have, maybe you don't? You may. Carlos Dunlap. I did not have that one. There we go. Gator, so I support it. Yeah, I, I, well, I actually did see his name when I was looking around, but like, what did he do last year? Former Gator. Reconsidering it now. <laughs> no, I mean. What did a lot of these guys do last year? You know, like you're getting – it's Yannick and Justin Houston and Leonard Floyd. In right. Terms of what did they do last year? And like you're like the, – the, these guys are free agents for a reason. You know, nobody's letting a top pass rusher leave in free agency. So, I mean, they – if you're asking for, like, perfection, like you're not going to get it here. And if you want to not pay a ton of money for it, then, you know, you maybe have to go to the value bin a little bit. Well, I, I think – Carlos Dunlap wouldn't get me like super excited, but I would just be thankful for the depth. And I think he's a very playable guy, even if like, cause I think the reason I asked you about him is cause I feel like I saw some excitement when he joined the chiefs a year or yeah. two ago and just like, haven't heard a single thing about him since then. But assuming he's still able to hold up at age 34 or whatever it is now, then yeah, I would like it. Give me, give me, give me some more names. Give me some more names. I got more takes for you. Uh, I don't really have that many more interesting ones. Frank Clark is on there. He wouldn't 
I feel like he's like probably a little bit overhyped, but he would still like definitely give the Jaguars good snaps. It would kind of just like come down to the contract, I think, in yeah. terms of how valuable he would be. Yeah. Um, and then like Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram, I wrote down just because they're kind of like how you said the just popular old guy edge rusher names who are still fairly productive. I mean, Justin Houston, I think makes a lot like and the Jaguars for once, like the veterans who want to ring, the Jaguars can actually appeal to, like, you know, for like for the first time. So mm-hmm. I, I think Justin Houston, would, I mean, Bob Sutton was with Justin Houston for a good long period of time in Kansas City. So connections. Yeah. I think he would arguably be the best signing, even like though he's he'd probably over five be, years older than Jan. He'd probably be really good for Trayvon. Right. That's what I'm thinking because uh, I was just him and Jan would both be like, like nine tech, just like rushing it way outside and let Trayvon do a little bit of disruption from the interior, as opposed to like Melvin Ingram would just like add versatility, but he can kind of go inside too and isn't as good as like a. You're, just, you're describing an Arden Key-like player. Mm, mm-hmm. That's right. I think I got through all the names on my list for Edge. Okay. You have yeah. any other ones? Or, oh, I, I got one more off the top of my head, but you go. No, come on. I was going to say Zadarius Smith on the Vikings as a trade candidate. I'm going to shut myself down because I, the last report I read on him from The Athletic was that he wanted to get traded so that he could get a new contract. So I kind of doubt that the Jaguars would trade for him and then give him a new contract. But I and just the, you know, threw the net, throw the name out. And like the Jags also like their picks are tied like Ridley right now. So I'm not really sure, like, other than like bottom like of the roster type players, like what players like they'd be interested in trading for. Like I, I think any trades would have had to happen pre-draft. So I mean you, other than other than edge rusher, what what other names you got for me? Get, just give me you don't you don't have to stop. Just give me your names. Give me your names. I'll I'll say I'll I'll be the word of law and say yes or no. Okay. I've got four cornerback names and then I'm, I'm my list is done okay let's hear it marcus peters no agreed he got toasted by the jaguars last year so it would make a ton of sense he's just a like yeah fun vet yeah yeah no nah, yeah okay. no I, I i agree with you i agree with you but if you if you was like okay with accepting a backup role then i feel like it could like be he pretty great much but... does not seem like somebody <laughs> would no, be okay with not him. at all uh ronald darby could be interesting. Could be interesting. Casey Hayward. That'd be that'd be interesting as long as you know you show him the best early bird special places to hit around town. <laughs> Enough old slot. Enough. See see what the kids can do, man. I'm just like, yeah. You can't run anymore, guys. Let him go. You've yeah. been trying to add Casey Hayward to the Jaguars like four years now. Have I? <laughs> yeah. Maybe one or two years. In my head, right. yeah. And then uh, this one's a little bit unserious, but Eli Apple is my last one. <laughs> <sighs> He's the only I, like, young guy on the list, though. Eli Apple would get in many online discussions with certain sectors of Jaguars Twitter. Okay, but here's the thing. Do the Jaguars have, like, their next character on the team? Because two years ago, let's say three years ago, it was Fournette. Two years ago, it was... um, Man, who's that edge rusher that came from Baltimore? Jahad Ward. Yeah, it was Jahad Ward. And then last year, it was Arden Key. So who's it going to be this year? Maybe Eli Apple. Fair enough. I 
I think their braggadocious guy is going to be Rory, like their energy guy is going to be Robinson Harris. But that's like. I don't know. Just e, e, like I'm, I'm not sure if Eli Apple would like. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way. Like the or like, would the Jaguars be worth putting up with Eli Apple's antics for Eli Apple play? No, I, <laughs> he's like, literally the last name on my last on my yeah, list, John. I'm telling you, it's unserious. But I, I got Roy you. Robertson Harrison is too nice to be a character. I think he's got, he's got he needs a little more crazy in him. Okay, can can I give you a can I give you a couple names? Please do. Mario Edwards. Okay. Shut I up. thought he was at the league four years ago, but sure. Okay. Yeah, he was literally on the roster last year. <laughs> yeah, I think you said that to me like in a podcast a couple weeks ago too, but I don't care. All right. Max okay, Williams. That's a no for me. Max, Max Williams? Yeah. Is that the tight end? Yeah. Yeah, I like him. He was on my list like three years ago for the Jaguars tad. I like Max Williams. Okay. Uh, Gabe Jackson. Yes. Was he on Oakland last? I think so. Yeah, I like Gabe Jackson. I was also looking at Dalton Risner. Do you think he would make any sense? Because like he used to start for like three or four years, and he's pretty young. So I would kind of <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I think Risner make it, like you read like I think Risner make a ton of sense. You know, especially if Barch isn't going to start training camp healthy. I think Risner would make a ton of sense. Honestly, like I think that'd be a home run. Like addition like post draft i do too and like the fact that he hasn't been signed yet probably means he's not gonna get a lot of money it just like i feel like he was a decent starter for a few years and is still young and doesn't have crazy injury concerns so i'm i'm just a little surprised that he hasn't signed with anyone yet okay can i, can I give you a couple more mm-hmm. okay chris wormley don't know what position he plays so no if it's a tackle <laughs> Matt Ioannidis. I like that one. That one's. I feel like he's always like a popular like depth free agent name, but I think he's also like pretty solid and would be a good piece. So I like that one. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Here, I'm here sitting down. The, here comes the heat. Okay. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott. I would have loved it before the draft. Now I'm just like unsure because uh, Tank is there. I'll be but honest, like, I forgot they drafted back in the third round. <laughs> before they even before Zeke was even released by the Cowboys, I was like maybe trade target because I just I think he makes a lot of sense in terms of like he uh, he's like literally polar opposite of ETN. Yeah, he'd be he's like one of the best pass blocking backs in the league, which would be huge. And then he's also like a great short yardage guy in between yeah. the tackles guy. So that would like that would make a ton of sense. That was all I had. It's 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 not an enticing free agency group. Like it, like you said, these, these guys they would have been signed, you know, during the actual free agency wave. Like if teams are tripping over themselves, they weren't going to let these guys just sit in the market this long. So it's basically, in my opinion, this part of the offseason, like it's a waiting game. You try to get guys to agree to certain roles, etc. Like it's much more about finding the right roles for guys and. You know, it seems like the Jaguars want like a designated pass rusher. And if you want to get like be a pass rusher and you want to be paid and she's like a starter, I don't know if Jacksonville makes the most sense for, you know, them. So. All right. Well, I I just really want an edge and hopefully an outside cornerback. I like I don't even really care about the name. If it's an exciting name, then that will be fun. 
But I, I like I, I kind of think Jacksonville is an unserious contender until they address at least one of those positions. Uh, are we ready for the hot take section? Yeah, yeah I already gave take. a bad one earlier. My hot take is bro. they don't add anybody. Anybody? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a long spring. <laughs> that, that's just a hot take, too. That's just me yeah. firing off the hip, off the cuff. Right. Maybe they don't add anybody. You know, maybe they roll with who they got. All right, well, I, maybe my hot take is, like, they're just completely unserious as, like, Super Bowl or even AFC contenders until they add a veteran on defense to help, like, fill out some depth. Definitely seems like, like, they're all in on this whole, uh, you know, we're returning everybody thing. Like, I mean, yeah. But the same thing again with um, Edge. And then the, there was one other position you said where if one person goes down, like if Tyson Campbell misses two games, like I would That's almost right. chalk that up as two losses regardless of the opponent because you're going to be trotting out Trey Herndon, Darius Williams, and some other jabroni, and they're not going to be able to defend the run or the pass. Hey, there's no room for that talk. Yeah, you're right. I'm. I apologize to all the jabronis on the team. <laughs> no, there's no room for that. Now I, I, I'm with you. Like they're basically like they're a very top heavy roster. You know? Yeah. The point of the draft is to not be a top heavy roster, but you won't know that for a couple of years because it takes years for these guys to develop. You know, like the returns on the 2023 class will not be this year. You know, like they just won't be. I mean, the positive, though, is just how many draft picks that they have. So the more chances you have, the more chances you have to hit. So nobody's got yeah. that part of the process, right? Yeah. You you pick 13 players, somebody's got to be able to play. <laughs> At least one. <laughs> you would think. Hopefully five or six or seven. Yeah. I mean, they're 2020 class. I'd say they, like, they have, what, six guys still left in that class? Not a good class at all because their first three picks are no longer with the team, but. They got a good nose tackle out of it. Mm -hmm. Backup safeties and cornerbacks and linebackers. Yeah. And Ben Barch. That's it. I don't know the last time the Jags made like a memorable day three pick other than Gardner Minshew. Mm, Yeah, no. Not in the last couple of years. Uh No. They normally like hit the snooze on day three. And, like, to be fair, it's day three, so it's not like every other team is, like, coming out with starters on day three, but it's just been, like, nothing but, like, special teams, guys, pretty much, or depth for day three on for the Jaguars. So, definitely it. Balky will definitely get judged for, like, his Trayvon pick and his Anton pick and Devin Lloyd pick, but I feel like we should – I mean, as you said, you can't really talk about it too much until a couple of years from now and see how they pan out, but it's definitely very important. <laughs> You can probably give Trayvon and Devin Lloyd like a, a month <laughs> before people start talking about them. Uh, like a month, into, like you can start talking about that class. Like it's yeah, it's fair to start talking well, once the season kicks off and we're a few games into it. it I, it's a lot of pressure on those two guys, but no, I agree. I just meant like the t- class. No, no, I, three. no I, I agree with you. I'd like you, you can probably judge Anton, and that's probably about it. And not like judge him to a full extent because you, you you know a rookie is allowed to struggle as a rookie, but you know you can start forming an opinion on Anton, and that's probably about it. Even Anton, though, like I'm going to try to curb expectations like as much as possible, just because there's like I don't know. I haven't gone back to watch him quite yet, but the stuff that I've seen is like he could have used another room in a or another year in a college weight room, yeah. and like 
I wouldn't be surprised to see him like struggle against power rushes for the first half of his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, Walker Little is kind of similar. Yeah, you know, like Walker Little was noticeably bigger last year than he was as a rookie. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm with you. And he really doesn't. He reminds me a lot of Jawan as a prospect, and that was also something Jawan had. Like Jawan had to, you know, basically get right in terms of like being physically ready for the NFL. You know, so I'm I'm with you. All right, I'm I'm all out. I'm all of takes. I've, I've calling people jabronis who are yeah, that, like doing a way cooler job than I am. We're gonna curb that next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're the jabroni. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm pretty sure I've said much worse. Yeah. All right. You got anything else before we get out of here? I what just, are you gonna talk about next week? Ah, that's a <laughs> that's a next week problem, my friend. I'm all in right. this. I'm Sounds in. Fair. I I barely even know what day it is today. So we'll. We'll hit next week, next week. But, you know, as always, you can find us at the Jaguar Report Podcast. Make sure to download us on all streaming services. Uh, you know, you can find us at jaguarreport.com, bigcatcountry.com. Gus, you got anything? No, sir. See you, jabronis, later.